paid good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Abby and Matt on their engagement. You guys are so cute here. That's, That's Kenzie Scott. She's definitely on my list. What list? You know, my celebrity free pass list. I expected someone with a little more personality. I think maybe our lists mean different things. I could go talk to her. What would I even say to her? Where are you headed? My fiance slept with Kenzie's dog. Hey, we just gotta figure out what the next step is. Everything's always been about Matt. Maybe it's time I finally do something for myself. I'm gonna sleep with a celebrity from my list. That's so shallow. I love this for you. We need a damn good plan. It's Nick Vial. What would you even say to him? I happen to be a ninja with words. Will you accept this rose? That's a daisy. <laughs> Funny. Thanks, but no thanks. Real ninja with those words there. Hey! For what it's worth, I did think you had a shot. Thanks. We should go back in there. No, no. God, no. no. Look at you all smiles. We're just hanging out. I have four names left on this list. This has to be surgical. Check it out. His Oscar Isaac and his weekly spin class. You're literally not moving your legs. Everybody has a fantasy about spending a night with a celebrity. And finding someone to spend the rest of your life with. That's the fantasy. You have a fascinating love life, Abby. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with Melissa Miller-Costanzo, all about her latest film, The List. The List opens on August 22nd, 2023. Hope you enjoy the movie, and I hope you enjoy this interview. You've been working in the industry for a while. Can you tell me how you got involved with the show business? I was a dancer, actually, growing up. And it was my life for a really long time. And then I moved to New York City. And I was so used to being like a big fish in a small pond. And then when I moved to New York City, all of a sudden, the like 10 year olds were like kicking their legs like way higher than me. And I pursued it for a little while. I ended up getting hurt. And I, I just knew that I wasn't as good as these other people. But at the same time, I had always loved writing and I'd always loved movies. And so I knew like, all right, if this isn't going to happen, I'm going to shift into entertainment because I really liked it. And my first job out of college was actually at Three Arts Entertainment. They had a New York office and I was a receptionist and I had like big chip on my shoulder because I just thought I should be like so much further along. But I was like really lucky. It was when like UCB was like at the height of UCB and Dave Chappelle would roll me joints and like I didn't realize like how cool it was to work there. And I'm still in touch with Dave Becky and Dave Minor, which is really cool. They've been pretty supportive of my career and everything. So it's been really interesting that it's come full circle. We've actually 
gone out to some of their clients and stuff. So it's been really cool to look back and realize how lucky I was. So that was my first job. And then I interned Ellen Lewis Casting. She's an amazing woman. And then I started PAing, like production PAing, which I recommend everyone doing it, but it's also It'd be like 3 a.m. in the pouring rain. I'd be on like the back of a lift gate, like hysterical crying. But like I learned so much from being a PA. And then I started like producing movies, like I think too early on when I didn't know what I was doing. And that was really interesting. And then I got into the art department and that was something that I could actually sustain a life on. And I became a union member in 829 and I was an art department coordinator for a really long time. And then off and on, I would write and I would produce and I would do all these other things. And then through a sort of like very kismity sort of chain of events, I got my first movie made. And then this I shot a few years back. So when did you actually shoot it? I shot the list, I think, two summers ago at this point. So it was like during I don't even what are we are in 2023. I think 20 I shot in 21, I think. So you're right in the height of the pandemic, probably before even we started to get the vaccines. Yes. And so we would have to get tested every day. And me and the writers would joke that we like thought they hired, which they didn't. It was all legit. But we were like, maybe they hired an actor to pretend to give us tests. It would be detrimental if we had shut down because we were not a big production. But we ended up being fine. I think I read you shot this in 19 days. I think it was a little more than 19, but it was certainly less than 25. So there was somewhere in between. I think I've blocked it out. But <laughs> So how did this one come to you? So it was really interesting because I had written and directed my first movie, which is like way more of a, a dramedy. It came through the proper channels. I think, I think the story is that one of the producers had a really good relationship with someone at my agency. And there were two male writers and I think that they were very eager to have a front woman just because in today's climate and they knew that especially because it's a movie about women it would probably behoove them to get a female director so I think they went into it knowing they wanted a female director and so one of my agents he had just seen my first movie come out and he he really loves it he just thought it would be a good fit And I also think that they like, since it was about trying to get with celebrities, I think, I think this hasn't been corroborated, but I think it's also because I had name talent in my first movie. So I think that they saw that I could work with name talent and thought it would be a benefit when we went out to reach out to celebrities for this movie. And then once we got talking, I think even more they realize, oh, we all have the sort of same twisted sense of humor, which leans a little dry. So that was good. And we just, the writer and I felt like we could have a good working relationship. So I think that's ultimately why I got hired. And they liked what I had to say about the script and the notes that I had and where I wanted to go with it. The original draft that I read had like more voiceover and had a tremendous amount of setup before you got into the meat of the story. So mine was much more like structurally oriented. And I think I said to them at the end of the day, like, to me, this is like a buddy movie. And that's what attracted me to it. It's a movie about sex. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but there's no sex there. There's not I don't even think there's I think there's one kiss. So it's just to me, it really was about the one friend helping the other friend recover from this detrimental thing. And 
just like moving forward with a lot of rhythm and like, I just liked how the story kept progressing. And so I wanted to really stick to that idea of the buddy movie. It's something that could have been in lesser hands. It could have been a blown out sitcom plot, but you guys handled it so well. My DP is amazing. Brody at Englehart. And he was able to get us a mini Alexa for almost nothing. Because it was like, again, it was a company that was just starting out. It was during the pandemic. And so they wanted the work and they had a good relationship with Brody. And just because it's a rom-com doesn't mean it doesn't have to look beautiful. And he sent me some stills recently to be like, remember this, remember this. And I was like, wow, I forgot that our movie looks so good. And so I was really proud of that. It does not look like a low budget feature whatsoever. It's so funny because the saying, like, it looks like a million bucks, but that doesn't actually, it's not really like a good way to appropriate a movie. But yeah, it looks way higher end than the amount of money we had. I guess these days to say it looks like a million bucks would say it looks cheap. It looks bad. Exactly. (laughs) I have to ask, do you have a list? It's funny because I think they asked me that during the movie. I would say I'm very into Taron Egerton these days. So I feel like he's on my list. I used to say Casey Affleck, but I don't know. I think he might have gotten canceled. I'm not really sure. So I'm not. But I would say it's safe to say Taron Egerton is on my list. I'm a big Elton John fan. So when I saw Rocket Man, it was like a religious experience. Like my husband tried to shoot me in the dark because I was like, I was dry heaving and I was crying so hard. Like I couldn't see the screen. Like it was insane. After you finish this film, how long were you in post if you shot this two years ago? We were in post, I would say six months or something. So there was definitely like a gap between when we were like officially delivered it to Universal and when it was coming out. And I think that was just timing. I also think there was just like an influx of content at that time. And so I think Universal was like trying their best to figure out like, what's the best fit for this? How to when do we want to release it? So I think there was a lot of that. And I do think the delivery was, for whatever reason, a little more complicated than it needed to be. But I don't really know why. Maybe Universal knows. I'm not sure why it took so long to come out. But I think that it's coming out during the summer. I love that we're like Barbenheimer's settle down like a lip not that they're gonna go straight from them to us but at least they're not like in our path you know what i mean what were some of the biggest challenges other than covid for shooting this i think initially we were just trying to figure out what made the most sense again for the amount of money we had and where we wanted to shoot so i think locations like we also tried to maybe shoot in new york but that didn't make sense so i think just we had a lot of days where we just had one location so like we would have to like load in shoot and load out with in whatever in a 12-hour day and sometimes we had a hard out so I would say that would be the hardest thing is that we didn't have time to just relax in a location and walk away from our equipment which is as filmmakers know that's the best thing because then you have more time at night and you have more time to shoot and then in the morning you don't have as much stuff to load in and it's also like a It's a burden for the crew to have to keep loading in and loading out the same day. So I feel like that was the hardest thing. And we had a lot of locations. And I think that the producers kept coming to me and saying, can we do this? Can we consolidate? And there were things, obviously, like I had to bend on. But there were other things that I was like, I know why you're asking me to do this. But I 
it just simply doesn't make sense. So it was just really trying to navigate the amount of locations that we had and the fact that we only had them, a lot of them, we only had one, you know, day of shooting in each of them. Tell me a little bit more about your cast and how do you like working with actors? What I've learned, and I think I learned it more on my first movie, because there was more of a divide of the type of actors that I had. I've learned so much that actors just need different things from you and you have to adapt as the director. Like the way you give notes to one actor might not be the way another actor likes to receive notes. And so on my first movie, because I had an actor who had never been in a movie before, I had another actor who he was young, but he was just like laser focused and so good that I learned as a director that like I was so enthralled with his performance that like I didn't let him change it up. I'd be like, that's perfect. That's perfect. And so like in the edit, I got five takes of him doing the exact same thing. So I was so in love with it. Whereas now I'm learning like, oh, like the editor is the one who basically like makes your movie. So give them what they need. Like I feel like I service the editor who actually happens to be my husband too. So that's like an interesting relationship. And then I had these veteran actors like Molly Ringwald and Brian Darcy James, which like with the more they did a take, the more they sat in the scene and the better it was where I could tell my youngest actor when he was going to break and I just wasn't going to get anything else from him. And then I had Jemima Kirk on my first movie. I know this is about the list, but I just it was just so interesting, too, that she would just bring she would come from so many different places that I was just sit back and see what you get type of thing. So that was my first movie. This movie, like the actors, I would say Christian Navarro, we call him like to take Christian because he was, again, so focused and he would come in, he would give me exactly what I wanted. And then I'd be like, all right, we got that for safety. Let's do it one more time. But then there was actors like Halston who really liked to get into it and really liked to do a lot of takes. And she would just try things like a different way. And sometimes she's she would say a line a different way and just do do it that way. And Chrissy Fit, for example, she was great with improv. So she'd always come in with the one liners and she'd always be able to like create a new button for a scene, which was like amazing. And so it was just and they all really liked each other. So you could I think it's evident when you watch the movie. And again, I think they were all just consummate professionals. So it was really great to work with them and see their world of experience and how they approached things. Did your husband edit this one as well? He did. Yeah, it's funny because I've always heard the relationship between a director and an editor is like a marriage that you have for just <laughs> that time. So yeah, any stress there with working with your own spouse? He's a real creative editor. He doesn't just like push buttons. And so he will really push me and really test me. And sometimes I'll get frustrated because I'll be like, this is what I want. But I've learned so much from editing and I from him and just like really how you can shape a performance. And like he's like the master of band-aids. Like sometimes you don't have a cutaway. And I know this movie doesn't seem like a special effects movie, but there was a lot of things where he would he would literally do a split screen and then we'd have to fuse them together because we were using one portion of one and one portion of another or something. But he's he's like the fixer. I've learned so much from him, but yes, of course, we'll butt heads because I'll, for whatever reason, I'll like a different performance better, but then he'll introduce me to a new way of looking at it. I have to say, like, being married to an editor just really made me appreciate how creative and imperative that role is 
but it's the triangle. It's like the director, the DP, and the editor. Those three people are the ones making this movie. Must be fun to hear you two talk to each other after you watch a movie. It's funny because sometimes I'll just get up and go and he's like, wait, I want to talk about it. Whatever. We're not like film theory all the time. Have you had a chance to actually see the list with an audience? No, but I'm going to actually. I'm going to have a screening the day it comes out. I'm going to have a bunch of people come together. So we didn't, we didn't get to do like test screenings or anything. So. Are you all going out to a theater or are you having folks over to your house? And it's just going to be like a casual thing. Yeah. On my first movie, it wasn't such a big comedy. So there's chuckles or whatever, but this is like a big rom-com. So it'll be interesting to see when the laughs come or if they don't come. And so that's going to be really interesting to me to feel the audience and see like how much out loud laughter I get. So normally I ask people what they've been working on lately, but you've had a lot of lead time. What have you been up to since you stopped filming the movie? I think I was working on like another script, but I'm actually working on another. This is really interesting too. talk about the trajectory. My next film is about depression. I don't know how I went from rom-com to depression, but it's something that's very like personal to me. And it came to me and I got the opportunity to do like a director pass on it. And hopefully it's something that's going to go this fall. It could not be more different than the list. But I'm really happy I got to do the list because there's that side of me as well. I have a specific sense of humor and I felt like the list catered to that. But then I think if once I accumulate more movies, look at them, I think you'll see that there's always a line of comedy. Even the depression movie, it's a serious issue. You need some levity. So, Yeah, otherwise nobody will want to see it. No, exactly. But that I feel like I've been working on that for a while. That's We've been developing that. And there's some projects that come and go that you spend some time on and then they don't go anywhere. And so I feel like looking back, do I, I don't know exactly what I've been doing, but I know that I've been busy. Like I know that I haven't been like staring straight ahead. So I must have, I actually worked as a scenic a little bit just to get some unions stuff in. And then I, I did a commercial. So like I've been doing like, things here and there. And then, you know, since the strike, I've been lucky that I at least have been getting to work on this other project. So thank you so much for your time. It was great talking with you today. Of course. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it.